Hey everyone! Hi guys! Mad here. And Liz. Um, and we just wanted to first of all say thank you thank for you. all the support and love we've gotten this past week. It's been amazing. Launching our first episode has been beyond exciting. So and exciting. we want to say just thank you so much for listening. This week, we are excited to bring you our interview with Chelsea Rickling. Chelsea tells us what it is like to be a creative exec at a production company. Plus, she shares about an elevator ride with Leonardo DiCaprio. Hey, yo. And having to corral angry New Yorkers as a set PA. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, we had so much fun talking to Chelsea, and we hope you enjoy this second episode. Second episode. Of Let Me Get Back to You. Welcome everyone to another episode of Let Me Get Back to You. Today we have a very special guest. We have Chelsea Rickling on the podcast. Hi, Chelsea. Hello. (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Welcome. Thank Thank you you. for coming. Um, So, Chelsea, can you just do a little introduction of yourself? Yes. My name is Chelsea Rickling. I'm the manager of development at a production company. And uh, my job is to bring in new talent, new ideas, and then when we do uh, development tapes for the network, I see that through to fruition. Amazing. Amazing. It's very fun. How long? It's a pretty cool job. It's a pretty great job. (laughs) How long have you been working in this particular role? This role, I've been at the company for a year, Mm -hmm. and before that, it was MTV for two and a half years, and I did production and development. So now I'm fully development, fully ideas driven and it's really exciting that's amazing I feel like I want to dive even deeper into that but um, (laughs) well that that sort of leads us to our next question which is how did you get into the industry in the first place you mentioned you've done production and development at a network before this job what take us back a little bit it goes way back Um, (laughs) (laughs) go back as far as you want yeah um so I graduated school in California so I thought I would naturally go to LA Were you studying anything related to the industry? I wasn't. I mean, uh, indirectly related. It was English and mass communication. I double majored. And, you know, I was passionate. I thought I would be, uh, like, doctorate of English. Like, I thought I was going to be a professor. Wow. Um, And then this opportunity came up to interview at a production company in L.A. called Catalyst. Oh, yeah. um, With Carrie Burke, my soul sister she's like the most amazing person shout out Carrie Um, yeah shout out Carrie um and she took a chance on me and I interviewed with them at Catalyst the position that I was hoping for had been filled even before I came in but Uh, she still met with me and that led to a PA job in New York and she was like you know we got a show picked up in New York if you want to move in the next week Amazing. You can have a job. Amazing. <laughs> and how yeah. were you just like, yes, this is what I want to do, or you, I was you like, just went let's have an adventure in New York City. And I thought it wouldn't last long. Yeah. Fast forward six years later, <laughs> still here. Somehow I'm still here. Well, the city, the city does trap you a little in the sense of it's so enticing and yeah. wonderful and fast paced and lots of industry in a in a much different way than LA, obviously, like vibe wise. Um, I feel like it's much more chill. 
Yeah. I don't know how you feel coming from LA versus, I mean, you have a lot of executives and all that that you work with in LA that maybe work a little differently than the executives here in New York and it's a little bit of a different experience. But being that young, I feel like you probably were just like, whatever, New York, let's go. (laughs) I had been to New York twice before for like two days at a time and I was like, sure. Yeah. So what did, so you got here, did you have anywhere to live? Like how did you set yourself up? So my aunt, who had actually introduced me to Carrie Burke in the first place, knew somebody that was spending their summer in the Hamptons. Oh, perfect. And they were like, our apartment. A likely story. (laughs) A likely story. And they were like, our apartment is just empty. So I paid, you know, probably a quarter of what they paid for rent for those six weeks. And then I was on my own. Yeah. So I had a place to stay for the first six weeks I worked. And then I was like on Craigslist looking for another apartment. I found one. But, um, you know, I office PA'd for the next year and a half. And then I set PA'd and did, like, the overnight shoots. And yeah, so much- what are the, what's the difference between office and set PA for people who don't know? So office PAing is that you are based out of the production office. And you have a desk and you're there most of the time. You do runs to set. But you're in charge of the paperwork and making sure the production runs from a distance. Mm-hmm. Set peeing is you are on set 100% of the time from an hour before wrap to about 45 minutes to an hour after wrap. And how long are those days usually? My longest day was 18 hours. Wow. My My shortest was 11 and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so those are long days and it made me appreciate the office. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, standing all day, like really Walking up the streets of New York City was the hardest thing in the world. You know, New Yorkers are so driven. They want to get where they're going and you're standing on the street like, excuse me, sir, can you walk around our set? And they're like, well, fuck you. No. (laughs) Well, especially as a woman, I feel like, you know, not to get right into that so soon, but... You're like a young 20-something woman trying to kind of corral New Yorkers. Yeah. I mean, that's... What nothing to do with you. And yeah, like, that's a pretty care less. job. You know, but... And that's absolutely. sort of a, a rude awakening, I feel like, in some ways, to kind of the industry in New York and just well, kind it just of how shoves it you. It shoves you into having to be like, a, if you're not a people person, it shoves you into just having to figure out how you're going to be assertive mm-hmm. and really, you know, own whatever specific job it is. Like I remember uh, working for my dad and um, he owns radio stations and I was tasked when I was younger to tell everybody to like step over the wire and you're just like, you know, cause you're out at a, you know, set shoot and you telling audience members to just step over stuff or regular people and anyway you learn to be like a different type of assertive in those specific situations that you might not otherwise have learned like sitting in the office when yeah when I one of my internships was at a late night show and it required me to give the big speech you give in front of the audience about what they're supposed to do and I had it memorized and I had to kind of shout at like 40 people a night and I was so uncomfortable but I got really comfortable like being that was my job yeah. I had to do it but I think it's something that we're not necessarily totally trained to do or like as women it's not something we're raised to be like loud and aggressive and whatever else um yeah but anyway okay so you were in production to start and then where did you go um, and so I had worked freelance and I finally got out of the set peeing world cause it was real cold. Um, <laughs> but, um, then my last job before MTV was gossip girl. I was their production secretary, which was an amazing experience <laughs> because they were in season six. 
So the wheels were already turning. Yeah, the big machine was set up. Right, smoothly. Um, and the days were long, but it was just such a cool experience to wrap out a show that was that successful and that... Hot. It was hot, and, yeah. and it was, like, one of the, you know, besides, like, what, Sex in the City? Yeah. Uh, it was one of the ones that really... And, like, Law and Order. And pretty New iconic York New York show. Streeting, shooting on the streets of New York, like, all the time. Like, very different locations all the time, right? So... Mm-hmm. And the fashion was incredible. I learned that I had the same size shoe as Leighton Meester. Oh. And I became very good friends with the costume designer. <laughs> and they gave me a free, like, a pair of shoes when I left the Stop. show, you know, wrapping That's out. So nice. You're like, here's something to remember. Gossip Girl vibes. Aww. Very cool. You could probably sell that for some money, but she not wore that you on, should, on but... camera. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, so then you landed at MTV. Mm-hmm. What was appealing about going into MTV? That was my chance to get into development before it had been strictly production, you know, just making sure that the wheels keep turning. And it was all very, um, what's the word? Like, like fact-driven, black and white, making this happen. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be story-based. I wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know, a person that shaped and influenced the story we were telling rather than just seeing it to fruition, mm-hmm. like, making sure that the props were on set kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was, and I joined the comedy team, which was just incredible because I've always wanted to get into comedy. So it was this amazing, like, combination of comedy development, and it was really exciting. You know, that's why I was there for two and a half years. What was it like to walk into, like, 1515 Broadway for the first time, right? Cause, oh, that's cause like, that's Times Square headquarters Times of MTV. Times Square headquarters of MTV. For those of our fans that are into, like, TRL, it's like, that's where TRL that's the was. The TRL studio, which I think all of us can say. We grew up with that and mm-hmm. really probably watched it every day when we got home from school but anyway did you have that moment where you were just like this is like the TRL building and this is I don't know it kind of felt like I made it I was like holy shit <laughs> I I'm in the industry I'm in New York yeah. television and it it was a different feeling from being on set on a street corner where it didn't really feel shiny and beautiful and yeah 1515 Broadway is all of those things yeah so now that you're sort of a big shot development exec over to production company, ah. <laughs> um, would you please take us through what a typical day is like for you? From like when do you get up, um, and what's your morning routine? What kind of dress do you have to have for work? All that good stuff. Wow, I like to get into the office early, so I'm like in between eight forty-five and nine thirty person because I like to have my like coffee and bagel and shove it in where nobody's watching and nobody's on the phone. <laughs> You're so good. I'm like, I'm eating a bagel while we're having Yeah, yeah. Well, this conference call is Like 11 a.m. Yeah. Um, so, you know, between 8.45 and 9.30, my day starts, um, you know, the coffee and the carbs. And then, you know, we have, we're a smaller production company, so we have a few meetings throughout the day with our agents. And um, I like to set a lot of meetings with talent, having talent come in and tell me what they're interested in and what they're passionate about and hopefully we can fit a concept into that or come up with a concept in the room. Um, it's very important to me to have those talent meetings and those producer meetings because I feel like some of the best ideas come out of, you know, the first person perspective. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. 
um, instead of trying to fit somebody else into a mold that I created. Sure. Um, Do you take a lot of breakfast meetings, lunch meetings, drinks meetings? Like, what is your sort of preferred style? Ooh, I like breakfast meetings because I like to. You're a the morning day. person. I am a morning person. <laughs> oh my gosh! I want some of that because I don't have that. <laughs> I but that's love, amazing. Yeah, I love starting the day with something energizing and collaborative. You know, if it can be breakfast, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and you know, I feel like I don't escape enough during the day, so we don't. I don't do a lot of lunches because I feel like I'm always running late or I can't quite get out on time, and I hate being late. Um, so I do either drinks or I do breakfasts. And what kind of hours do you work? You said you get in sort of earlier and then how late are you usually working? Well, I try to escape before 7.30 every day. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always happen. Um, I share an office with our casting producer and she's amazing. So we always get into these like... Like, what do you think about this? We're tossing ideas around, and then all of a sudden it's 8.15, yeah. and we're like, oh, shit, we should go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um... I think that's sort of typical, especially of development jobs. Um, just your day can go so late if you let it, and not in a bad way, it's, you know? Well, yeah, and because it is such a creative... Like, once you get into a creative zone about an idea, it just starts flowing, and, of course, you don't want to stop the momentum. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you look at the clock, and, you know, you guys have really formed this amazing idea, but, of course, maybe time went by, <laughs> and you're like, I should go home and eat dinner. And um, then do you guys have... Um, I know for me... A lot of people I work with are in LA, so that sometimes influences the time of the day. Do you have any of that? Are you mainly New York, or do you have LA people you work with? We are mainly New York, mm -hmm. but we do a lot of outreach. So when we have an idea and we go down the rabbit hole of casting people from all parts of the country, that is what can keep us. We don't have a lot of execs that we work with in LA, but it's more the talent's calling and we need to do this interview. Mm -hmm. Or we're recording a Skype and the person's only available at 6.45 at night. Right. So that's how it gets late in that sense. And, and I, then, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think before we like maybe take a break. Oh, I was going to ask her about hobbies, but yes. Oh, we can, we can go there too. <laughs> we can go there too. But I feel like one thing we didn't totally clarify mm -hmm. is sort of what in terms of the production company, like what types of shows you're developing and like an example of a show on television that somebody might know just for our audience who doesn't totally maybe know all the different lingo of the entertainment industry and what production companies, you know, do in terms of scripted TV versus non-scripted TV, all sure. that. Sure. Yeah. We are an unscripted company. So we do a lot of docu-series. We are known for Black Ink Crew New York and nice. Black Ink Crew Chicago on VH1. Um, something I enjoy about our company is that it's very docu-follow and we don't script a lot of stuff, which I'm sure a lot of reality TV companies say, but we actually just follow the characters and see where they go. Mm -hmm. And we are very lucky to have casts that make a lot of stuff happen, <laughs> and it's very loud. You um, mean a lot of reality isn't real? Is that uh, what you're telling our audience? <laughs> well, there's, I mean, this, that the reality space has gone in a lot of different directions. And if you're casting a show, like you're saying, you know, it sounds like your production company casts very specifically to make sure that these characters are comfortable really uh, showcasing every facet of their life and are going to take you on that journey more organically than you saying like oh can you guys like you know go get drunk at a bar tonight or whatever it is so we can film it um you know instead of the Kardashians but now at this point I think everyone knows that 
they are very open being who they are, but also there are specific events in their life that end up being well, shot. Well, scripted, specific, essentially. It's scripted. It's scripted. Non-scripted show. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> scripted, non-scripted show. Yes. Um, all right. Should we take a break? Let's take a break. Yeah. We are ready. All right. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> um, so, talk to us a little bit about your career goal for this year. You told us a little bit about the company you're working for. What is your goal, either at the company or personally, in terms of your career? Well, something that the company as a whole has made a goal for ourselves is that we really want to branch out genre-wise, and we've been working towards that goal for a while. Um, You know, we're in the tattoo space, so we have three series right now in the tattoo space. Um, So my personal goal is to get more comedy going at our company. Coming from the MTV comedy team. You know it well. I know it well, Mm -hmm. and it's important to me. And I feel like comedy programming is something that makes people happy and Mm. uplifts people. And it's important to me that not everything I'm contributing is, you know, in a dark space, you know, yeah. we need, we need a little balance. So yeah, you care about what you're making. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I feel like in TV, there's a lot of different ways to send good messaging into the world and positive messaging, yeah. but comedy is, you know, one yeah. of the best. Yeah. <laughs> making people laugh is like, how can you not feel good about that yeah. at the end of right. the day? And also yourself, you want to watch that show again that you created. it's fun to work in. It's really fun to get to work with comedians and kind of have your brain, especially in development, I feel like be tuned to that wavelength is so fun. Do you have specific comedians that you're, you have your eye on or Mm -hmm. just comedians that you're a total fan of that you would love to figure out the next version of them maybe in your development process? Yeah, like is there anything on air that you kind of wish you had done? Oh my gosh, Chelsea Does on Netflix Mm -hmm. is something I wish I could have done. Yeah. Um, You know, just having smart women in a space talking about things that matter in a funny way is something that it's just important to me to have, you know, this podcast, for example, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, I'm not a comedian, but having comedians talk about things that are important, but they make it funny and entertaining um, you know, I haven't totally that's watched all of Chelsea. Chelsea does. Is that is the talk show one? No, that's the follow doc one. That's the fo- oh, that's the one where she went and like tried the drug and mm-hmm. um, what else did she do? There was a relationship one. Oh yes, um, and then the one with the kids. The, I yes. think that was the relationship one where she went to the class and <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 such a um, smarter, cooler way to approach all the topics and get, and gain a whole bunch of different perspectives and then like share that information. And I think she also. Yeah, personality-wise, as somebody who, like we were talking about earlier, is not afraid to be aggressive and just Mm -hmm. kind of say exactly what she thinks, which is sort of rare and refreshing, unfortunately, in some ways. Yeah. We don't get that a lot. And and not afraid to admit that, like, she doesn't, maybe she doesn't know what she's talking about, but she's on this journey because she doesn't necessarily know and wants to educate herself, and there's something to be said for that, too, so... Um, All right, so after you make the next Chelsea Does this year, yeah, um, where do you see yourself sort of like five years out, ten years out? What would be your sort of ideal path, I guess? I 
think this is a good time in my career to be at a production company, but later in life, in the next, you know, 10 years yeah. down the line, I really want to get back to the network. I love the network grind of it. I feel like it's a matchmaking job in mm. a way. It's like, I love finding smart people and introducing each other and you know, ideas come from people that sounds really silly, but you know, it's like, it's like, I want to match the, the talent with the producer and, and have them create something great. I really believe in the first person, the single narrative Mm -hmm. type comedy and type programming where it's like one person with a kick-ass vision Mm -hmm. and you help them follow through on that vision. You know, not so many cooks in the kitchen that are going to distill and and change the idea. Um, But I think the network is an opportunity to pull those people out of the ether and and get them on air and pair them with strong talent and um, get their voices heard. I was going to ask you what your ideal network would be, but I feel like in 10 years, the way digital is going... Who knows what a net like if if a network even exists? Maybe they're all just brands or apps. Mm-hmm. But given what we know right now, what would be your ideal network or platform? Oh gosh! Well, in the streaming space, I mean, Netflix has been doing amazing things. Obviously, like Orange Is the New Black, I feel like is something that wouldn't have been made before these services existed yeah, because absolutely. it's so specific yeah. and so you know. I feel like Genji Cohen's a genius, but she's a very specific genius. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So it's tough to get her stuff on air because yeah. it's so specific. Um, so I totally lost the thread of the Netflix. Netflix for digital and then traditional networks. Is there one that you think? Ooh. Um, I mean, I'm kind of obsessed with Pivot right now because I love what yeah. they're doing in the green space. Mm. And they're so forthright with the fact that they are trying to change the world. Yeah. And of course, I've always said that, but it's laughed at a little bit. Right. You know, it's like, of course, we want to all change the world with television, but you can't be that in your face about it. Totally. And, and I think networks or streaming outlets or whatever starts with that vision sometimes and then they like dilute it dilute it dilute it because they feel like they're not getting the viewership that Mm -hmm. they want or the ad sales dollars aren't supporting it or whatever it is and pivot I feel like is like no question yeah they're special we are committed and we are not letting anyone else tell us otherwise um so yeah it's a seems like a a great place to work and we know people that work there and they're good people so good people and it feels brave what they're doing yes in a way absolutely um all right well this is sort of along the same line but what is your dream job and it could be in the industry or could not be um what would be just like you can snap your fingers tomorrow you have this job what would it be (laughs) Well, I would be running a network. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's tough to decide what type of network mm-hmm. because I feel like a good network, like, for example, FX is a network that yes. I, I love and I watch because I feel like they take risks on what they think is good content. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really matter. Like, they do Louie and they do Sons of Anarchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. They do Louie and they do Sons of Anarchy, which are on two different sides of the spectrum. And then You're the Worst, which yeah. was on, I think it was on F- FX um, originally, and then they moved it to FX. Yes. Uh-huh. Hard to say. Yes. But yes, I mean, but that's also in a whole different space. But I think also, if you want to be running that network, I think John Landgraf is a wonderful example of how you can be really thoughtful and brave and represent your brand. And I think 
you know, he has a new article every other week about what they're doing in the direction of the industry. And I think he's kind of a cool role model for that. Well, and that you don't have to like typecast yourself in your network Mm -hmm. category. Like it can cross a lot of different genres and styles and tones, but still like have a powerful message and story behind it. And that's really the, at the end of the day, like what the goal is. Um, I I feel like he trusts his artists. Like he puts good people in positions mm -hmm. and he lets them run. And that's something I think is really important in a leader is trusting the people you hire to do the job that you hire well. them for. Yeah, and then let them go. Right. And support, really and support, yeah, and supporting them. I mean, I think um, some places totally, they don't, they end up thinking that they have to present themselves as the president or the CEO or whatever in a certain way and then they get scared about their own jobs and their own vision mm-hmm. and then they don't trust the people around them and then it completely backfires in this cyclical way so um but it's nice to see that I think some networks are leaders wise are starting to really trust their that's become an industry thread I feel like right now that yeah that the Netflixes of the world are giving more freedom and the Amazons of the world are giving more freedom and they're producing great results yeah and so I think other people are well I think also a step beyond that I think we are moving toward a world in which like cable will be totally irrelevant at some point and I think all that's going to be left are these brands like they're going to be apps you click on and it's like do I like this brand and do I like what they stand for and I think people are more and more trying to just hone in on like what are they representing so people know what they're getting when they click on us and interesting times but you can totally see you running a network a hundred percent yes do it (laughs) with that I'll, I'll work for your network Shoot up a dweep, a dweet up dow. Shoot up a dweep, dweet up wow. Boop why up we died out. All right, we're back. Um, Chelsea, since you've been in this industry for a little while, <laughs> can you tell us what your experience has been of sort of seeing the industry change and how it's changed in your perspective? Well, when I started out, binge watching wasn't a thing, which I am very excited is now. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, so true. Oh. You know, like the the digital platforms have really taken a larger role since I started, which is really exciting. And you know, it's not the same five networks creating programming for the same you know twenty four to thirty eight year old people anymore. You know, there's yeah. a lot more diversity there's a lot more voices in the mix and and smaller names are able to make more content now that that weren't before which is I just feel like it's a really exciting time I'm very optimistic nice (laughs) like I'm optimistic for like women and you know people who haven't had a chance before well when you said that I immediately thought of like Lena Dunham and you know my crazy ex-girlfriend and just people that really wouldn't have gotten anywhere necessarily unless they were able to release their own film or put stuff on YouTube mm-hmm. and right now yeah. they're winning Emmys. Oh yeah, I well, I like just think of Thomas Middleditch because I did like tapings with him. Wait, who is he? He's Silicon Valley. Oh, and I did tapings with him when I was at William Morris, and you know he just would come in. I mean, he was such a hard worker. He would come in day after day after day and just do tapings and tapings tapings and then you know I think he shifted where he was finally able to use you know the digital outlets to put out his own content and then you know take all those meetings and finally like Silicon Valley I don't even know how long Silicon Valley took from start to finish but um but he was at it for so long before he was given a chance to be on HBO 
Yeah. Yeah. HBO. HBO. Um, so anyway, but yeah, I think there's so many more, yeah, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Well, Rachel Bloom and also Alana Glazer from Broad City were roommates. And they Which is both amazing. ended up putting content online and now they both have arguably like some of the most successful shows yep. on air. Yep. And they're young. They're like not even 30. They're mm-hmm. late 20s. It's crazy. It's awesome. Clearly, women are benefiting greatly from this. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, and they're doing... Listen, there is something to be said for, like, they're doing it in a very smart way. They're not being, like, enticed by, I feel like, things that you could probably be enticed by. They're sticking to their guns. Is, like, and in terms see, of their, like, perspective just, and their In point terms of, of their perspective, their point of view, yeah. their, um, the way in which they're approaching, like, their relationships with the networks, it seems like. They're just, like, yeah. I'm they have really control. voices. I'm in the driver's seat. Yeah. And um, I think that's showing a lot of other female creators, like, it's cool to speak up. <laughs> yeah, there used to be a mold that, you know, the five networks right. would fit people into, yep. and now it's kind of a free-for-all. Yeah, and I think that now, too, the casting people, the... Uh, whatever executives are are thinking, remembering that in the back of their minds when they're seeing new people, and instead of thinking I have to just read the paper of what I'm being told to look for, mm-hmm. like I'm, you know, Matt McGorry, for instance, with Orange Is the New Black. I just happened, to, you know, I do know him, and he went in, I think, to the um, casting session, the second one, and. I mean, I don't know if you would want me to tell the story, but, like, he made it his own. He <laughs> tell it. No, he completely, like, did something that, that was completely unexpected, and the casting people just let him run with it, and that's what ended up getting him the job, because he didn't just read the lines, you know, or whatever, so. Well, I also think, and this is me working at a network, so I think sort of bigger, I think, constantly for work, but back to sort of the brands are going to be king, and what you, I think it's also just we're moving in a direction of, I watch shows and sometimes I don't even know what network they're on. I'm just like, this is just the best show. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I think in the spirit of that, my crazy ex-girlfriend or Broad City, I don't really care what network those shows are on. I would watch them wherever they are. And yes, I think that's true. We're yeah. sort of cultivating this culture of the artist and their voice is starting to be the most important mm-hmm. thing. By the way, I will totally watch Nashville on CMT. Oh, yes! Yeah, can we just have a celebration for that? Oh, I'm so excited. Connie Britton lives on. Yay! I know. We were severely depressed for a minute there, but CMT to Hulu, I mean, cannot wait. Which is a partnership that wouldn't have existed when I started out, which is so crazy. CMT would have never been able to afford Mm -hmm. that show had they not figured out whatever they're figuring out with Hulu to support the project and also get it to because half the people don't have CMT that right. want to watch that show, right? I don't have CMT, um, and but most people have Hulu, and if it's going to be up next day, you know. Well, it's also sort of genius in terms of capturing both audiences because yep. I do feel like My forty and up are probably Nashville. still watching CMT. They probably still have cable. Forty and below probably all have Hulu. They're covering all covering the, the bases. Yeah, yeah. I bet it does really well. I feel I like can't that's a wait. Really smart uh, the move. cliffhanger was, like, I mean, killer. It's <laughs> killer. Ten more seasons. Unacceptable. Like go on forever. <laughs> and can I go to the live tour, please? Thank you. Um. All right. So we're gonna get a little more 
personal. Ooh. Um, I wish the lights had like gone down. <laughs> so normally we would ask somebody what it's like to date while you're working in the industry, but you are now married to somebody, congratulations, Thank who um, is also in the industry. Can you talk a little bit about your experience of being with somebody romantically while you both work in TV and what he does? Yeah, so he works for a production company as well that does scripted comedy, and I'm a huge fan of most of the things they make. (laughs) It's pretty convenient, Um, but it's really nice. It's a true partnership in that we both understand the demands of the industry because this industry is so much different than others, whereas I used to be in the production office at 2 a.m. and I would have somebody at the desk next to me freaking out because their girlfriend didn't understand where they were at 2 a.m. So common. Nothing is open at 2 a.m. You couldn't possibly be working. Mm -hmm. So to have that understanding right off the bat of, you know, the hours, the travel, you know, the the demands of it. Expectations. Yeah. Um, So it's, it's comforting to just have that involved in our relationship from day one. Yeah. Um, but it's also really exciting because we get to go to a lot of fun parties. <laughs> I'm the plus one at a lot of parties I wouldn't be going to otherwise, and I think vice versa. Yeah. So that's fun. Um, you know, and and I feel like, I don't know. Well, you guys, <laughs> yeah. you guys are each other's, like, networking partner as much as, like, relationship partner, too. And, like, I think you guys support each other, obviously, in your creative endeavors and in making sure that introductions are happening to the right people to be able to broaden your scope of work or your um to keep achieving the goals that you want to achieve in this industry and I think also just again it's like somebody who understands the stressors right off the bat and there's a shorthand to I like I had a rough day on set or with this creative and I ran into a roadblock and like I need a minute before or I need to come down from that that's something that doesn't exist for a lot of other people. Well, to Lissa's point, do you do you think that's true? Do you find that you guys are sort of networking partners, or do you think that you guys keep it sort of in separate worlds of like I work over here and you work over here, or do you guys kind of intermix? Like, how do you handle that? It's a unique situation because we met working on a movie together, and you know, that kept us from dating right off the bat. We finished the project and we're like, you know, we were really thoughtful about should we date because we're in the same industry Mm -hmm. and how a relationship would affect our careers. And, you know, there was a lot of soul searching that happened in the beginning. So that paved the way that we're both kind of in parallel separate tracks. Um, We know a lot of the same people and are lucky in that way because a lot of the same people that we know are wonderful. So we choose (laughs) to hang out with them and want to be surrounded by them. But, um, you know, our career paths purposely and, you know, because of I'm an unscripted now and he's unscripted have not overlapped. Which is nice. Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's a good break. Yeah. Cool. I love Um, it. All right. So to get even more fun. um, (laughs) Do you have any crazy celebrity and or horrible boss stories from the industry, from your experience that you want to share? I do have a couple of fun celebrity stories. Yes. From Our favorite. I, you know, I was in scripted production for a while, which was very close quarters with, you know, some bigger names, which was really exciting. <laughs> but um, I worked on this project that 
you know, the office was in Soho and we did some rehearsals and, you know, my job as an office PA very early in my career was to go down to the street, the busy streets of Soho and pick up the talent. So, um, so, you know, I'm walking, I'm standing on the sidewalk waiting for the black car to come, you know, the door opens and Leonardo DiCaprio walks out. Yeah. So he was on this project and I had to take him up the freight elevator, you know, so just the two of you, just the two of us (gasps) and the freight operator, because you know, the old buildings have to be the guy and he's just this like big guy with like a cigarette hanging out of his (laughs) mouth. And like totally gruff, doesn't care. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. He doesn't and you're like shit. silently freaking out. And I'm out. like, oh my god. And he takes us up, and he strikes up this conversation with Leonardo DiCaprio about smoking. Well, and, Leo smokes a lot. I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. So Leonardo, Leo was saying how he read this book that he it encouraged him to smoke so much that it made him sick, and <gasps> that made him quit. So, so that's how he, at the time? he did quit at the time. <gasps> oh my god! And I was just wow. in this freight elevator, this like dirty, filthy freight elevator with this like guy, you know, like <laughs> the freight operator. And Leo, and you're like a petite little like twenty something, being like, like oh. I'm gonna remember this for the rest of my life. It was just like a quintessential New York wow. TV moment. Yeah, you know, it just like yeah. I, I was like, this is you know, working in the industry in New York. This is it. So cool. Oh my yeah. God. That's, That's going to be a tough one to be. To be. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's number one. So well, you watch um, Leo like make a, a, like a life changing decision for a minute there. Yeah. I, he was like he really changing that not, guy's but, life. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and one more actually, it was for the same job. It was in Soho. And like, again, I go downstairs to pick up the talent door opens it's Toby Maguire and he like he walks oh up and God. usually I'm just like okay come this way and he's like oh hi makes eye contact full human interaction eye contact sticks out his hand and says I'm Toby oh my god and I was like holy shit you're like a real human yeah <laughs> really nice. so that was I don't know it just I feel like I really attached to the human moments because there aren't of always a lot of them yeah so that it felt really good to me him and know that he was like a real careful person. Shout out to Toby yeah, McGuire. Totally. Yeah. I Big mean, fan. Since that day, I was like, "You're the best." Yeah. Well, <laughs> it does. It does make such a difference. But listen, they're everyone. We talk about celebrities like they're not human beings sometimes, and like get so excited, but they are, right? And then when you're reminded of like how much of a human they really are, and how engaged in just the person-to-person contact, no matter who you are, at what level. Well, they what, can be. Not like, all of them. Right? Are. No, no, yeah. not all of them. But when you're reminded of those that yes. are, and you're like, okay, cool. We're just two people, like working you know, in the same industry. We're both here to do our job today, and yeah. like we're both excited about it and cool, and like that Love makes it. such a difference for your day. And just, I feel like so many people get caught up in the work of it and like, yeah. we have to get this done, that not many people stop and, you know, make that connection. Whether I'm sure a lot of people don't do it and don't realize it, but for for somebody to be that thoughtful, mm. to take a, a minute, you yeah. know, it, it felt nice. Mm. I love that. Um, All right. All right. We're good. Toby. Skill it up and I up and do not die. Skill it up and I up and do not die. Bump why up we died Alright, is this rapid fire round? Rapid fire round. <laughs> Ooh, I'm ready. Get I'm ready. ready. <laughs> Alright. TV show, film, or play recommendation for the audience. Broad City because it's pure joy. <laughs> like, because we just have so more true. like unconditional love between females on TV. Yes. 
Check All it right. out. If you haven't already, you're probably watching, but watch, go back, watch more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Pitch us your pr- passion project that you have not been able to make yet. I, there's this woman in North Carolina who drives around a truck and gives out free financial advice. Oh She is my God. the best. And she like, she ha- had painted a school bus herself and she drives to the projects and is like, this is a mortgage. Like defining the terms, oh teaching people about credit. She How does she get, kicks how does she ass. pay herself? Um, she's a nonprofit, but she also does like paid advising on the side. Okay. Um, Wow. So that's she's amazing. I want to watch that. Yeah, let's Do you watch have tape that. on her. Can we watch? That? <laughs> let's watch that. <laughs> let's watch that. Okay, awesome. Um, best piece of career advice you have ever received, and from who? My dad is the best. My parents are both very hardworking people yeah. that live in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hi, mom and dad. Um, they <laughs> they have been wonderful, and you know, I was like, I used to be a very serious like athlete. Like I, I played college softball and my dad would always give me advice before the games and before I left for college he gave me the the advice of be the hardest worker stay positive and be confident and that was something that I carried with me in softball um, throughout the four years in college and then um, you know when I moved to New York for my first job same advice it's just like an overall it applies to everything Dads. Right. dads, shout out to the Cheers. dads. Yes. So they always have <laughs> scary. I know my dad too. <laughs> Best advice, and um, this just the protectiveness of dads. I feel like over their daughters and the encouragement is. I mean, moms are amazing too, but like there's that different relationship with the dads, and that's awesome. And that really is applicable for life and work. Yeah, I love that. It's so simple. So simple. Yeah, and sometimes you just need that reminder. You know, in every new adventure you go on, you need that reminder. Carry it through. Well, Chelsea Rickling, thank you for Yay. joining us. This was so much fun. <laughs> You're welcome back so anytime. <laughs> um, and I think we would just say to our audience, you know, um, like we, Chelsea has shared some great advice with you guys and, you know, any follow-up questions that you have, please yeah. let us know. We can reach out to Chelsea if they're directed for her and give yeah. you guys some more feedback. All right. We will see everyone next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Booyah, ba-dye. Booyah, ba-dye. Tweet up, tweet up, tweet up, Tweet up, tweet up, tweet up, Let me get back to you.